Thank you for tuning in to episode 17 of the Keto Matrix podcast. I honestly cannot believe we're 17 episodes in. And I will also let you guys know this is the last episode before Brittany returns. So for all of you that are long awaited with high anticipation, Brittany will be back episode 18. This episode, however, I have the pleasure of speaking with Healthy with Nicole. Nicole, man, <laughs> this podcast episode is absolutely crazy. Shout out to Sean Baker. He had posted and shared something in regards to a vegan that was eating carnivore. Piqued my interest, of course. And as I looked, man, this was was such a great talk. Nicole is originally from Michigan, who then went to school at UNLV. She spent some time in Amsterdam, found her way to stay in Vegas, moved from Vegas to Southern California, where her, her husband and family live now. And she just shares how 15 years as a vegan, a year as a raw vegan, totally jacked her up, was not something that she anticipated. And she just continued going on it because she thought it was seriously the healthiest thing for her. Eventually, fast forward, she now loves meat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and all other meals of the day and really has changed her life with it. She's healed her gut. She actually has a carnivore program that comes out January. The links for all those things will be found in the show notes, but man, enjoy this conversation. She shares so much and it's really one of those things where if you're a vegan, if you're a vegetarian and you have done it and you've been doing it for so long, I understand that it's tough to get out of it, but lean in, listen to what she has to say. She's very transparent and open about her changes, You know how she grew up on a farm, her, her understanding of animals and animal welfare and some of those things that I know people have concerns with. Listen to the episode enjoy the episode and please don't forget check out the show notes for ways to contact her and get with her directly uh, and you know leave a review and the greatest 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 appreciation for this podcast is if you share it with someone else you know Brittany and I record I record the guests come in here to share their life their journey for no other reason than to help people beyond themselves so please share it if it's resonated with you and you feel like it can resonate with someone else thank you so much let's jump into the episode the keto matrix podcast where myths are busted science is explained and the keto lifestyle is discussed by industry experts and everyday people alike. For more information and support, go to theketomatrix.com. Now, let's jump into our latest episode. Good afternoon, Nicole. How are you? I'm great. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I would say this is long awaited, but it's not. I actually saw a couple <laughs> posts found you and then was totally blown away with your story, your background and kind of all you've been doing here in, in the industry, in the space. And so I reached out to you and was shocked that we actually got connected this soon. So thank you for taking the time out. Yeah, my pleasure. I guess it was just meant to be. Yes, for sure. So are you, you're in California, correct? I am Southern California. All right. So I've got to ask, how's the weather? You know what? It's actually a beautiful day. Uh, it's probably maybe 70 today. So that's a, a chilly winter day for us. <laughs> but the sun's <laughs> out and um, the water's cold. It's, uh, I don't know if it's even 60 degrees I, I'm in Laguna Beach. So we kind of surround ourselves with beach activities and today is not a great beach day. So oh, we're looking man. at the sun now. The struggle is real, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I can't complain too much. <laughs> I did grow up in Michigan, though, so believe me, I know what it's like to be cold. Oh, man, you grew up in Michigan. How did you find your way from Michigan to Laguna Beach? Well, you know what? I was a farm girl in Michigan and um, lived there till I was 18. And then I went to uh, UNLV and lived in Las Vegas. Um, actually, kind of got stuck there. I got married and had a couple kids and uh, stayed there for about 18 years and then transplanted one more time to Southern California seven years ago. Wow, awesome. Congratulations. So you said one more time, so I'm assuming moving is not in your future. I don't think so. I love it here. It's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm happy. I don't plan on going anywhere. 
Yeah, I would I would say the weather sounds absolutely great. Um, So very, very cool. So I will say the thing that sparked my attention, shout out to Sean Baker. He had reposted something that you had posted regarding being a vegan, no longer being a vegan. And that was like the first thing that said, oh, my goodness, you have to check this out. Now, I will say this. um, I have coached. mm, I don't know. I don't know. Probably a few hundred at this point in time. People. Um, I have several that have changed from being vegetarians and vegan to eating keto and eating and reintroducing meat and stuff like that. So I feel like that space is getting more popular, Mm -hmm. but I still would say it is really rare to see someone with your background and understanding of nutrition, make the change and then promote the health of the change. And so I think that was more so the thing that was like, oh my goodness, yes, Mm -hmm. healthy with Nicole. I want to be healthy (laughs) with you. Um, and I really wanted people, you know, I, I have some that you could, I'm, I'm sure you can imagine how it is for those that are like carnivore and their spouse is vegan to mm-hmm. even be oh, in the same boy. household. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting mix. Seriously. And for some reason, I've had an influx of that lately where um, the spouse is totally on the other side of the spectrum. And wow. it's it's like, you know what? Why? We need to have more conversations openly about the differences and the impacts and, you know, really the real reason that we've gone one way or the other. And so I would mm-hmm. love for you to kind of share a little bit about your background and your story and how you've ended up where you are today. Sure. Um, well, in regards to my background in my own um practices with, you know, regard to food and whatnot. A lot of it was tied to my work. So uh, let's see, 18, I think 17 years ago, is kind of when I started uh, becoming more healthy. And I, you know, was college student and drank a lot of beer and ate a lot of junk. And um, so I kind of went through different phases and I started to decide I wanted to be healthier and lose some weight and just clean up my act a little bit. Um, So I actually started to do kind of a like a low glycemic type of diet, diabetic type thing. And I did that for a while and I did lose a bunch of weight after, you know, reducing my um starch intake and sugar intake and all of that. And, uh, so I did pretty good and I started running and I was an athlete, I, you know, ran marathons and all that and, um, pretty decent health. And then I think I just figured, you know, if a little is good, more is better. And so I kept going further and further down that road. Um, and, um, but I was, uh, pretty much started as vegetarian, quickly transitioned to vegan and spent about 15 years uh, living vegan lifestyle. So, you know, not only not eating a single thing that came from an animal, but I also, you know, didn't buy leather and and everything that goes with uh, the vegan, not just diet, but lifestyle. And my reasons were, um, you know, I felt it was uh, the healthiest choice. I didn't, I thought meat was, you know, bad for you. And um, I thought it was the healthiest choice. I also thought it was the best thing for the environment. Um, which is something, you know, that was important to me. I cared a lot about that. I still care about it. And, you know, animal rights was never a big thing to me. It was, I grew up on a farm. I've had lots of exposure to um, farming practices, to animals, to cows that I would feed every day. And, you know, I had close encounters with um, lots of farm animals. And uh, it just never, was never something to me that seemed like, 
cruel to animals. I don't know. It just, that wasn't a piece of it for me. Um, but it was more about the health of myself and the health of the environment. So I, I spent a total of about 15 years there and I even was a raw food vegan for about a year. Um, wow. And okay. Yeah. So feel free to interrupt me if you no, no detail you're, anywhere. You're, you're doing great. I love it. Okay. So, um, during that time, uh, I did get thinner. So I'm about five, four, five, four and a half. And I weigh currently like one sixteen. Okay. And okay. I was at one point, um, uh, when I, before I started everything, I was about one forty. Okay. Um, so it was pretty heavy. You know, I was drinking a ton of beer and college kid. Um, okay, wait, wait, wait. So I know that there's somebody that's listening right now and you, we've now mentioned it twice. So what was your favorite beer at that time? And I mean college. So I understand if it was like oh. Natty Ice. <laughs> um, you know, that's a tough question because it wasn't like good beer that like right. we have now. But, no. uh, you know, I got I lived in Denmark when I was 17. And so I kind of got hooked on like Tuborg and Pilsner and oh, you know, yeah. not exactly light beers. So <laughs> not at um, all. no, no. So that was more of my taste. But yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I like beer, but it's just, it was, you know, if you want to get big, quick drink beer, right, fat exactly. wise, you know, but, um, <laughs> so, so fast forwarding, I, um, I was doing that for a while and I was an athlete and, you know, in my first few year, years as a vegan, I actually felt good. I, I didn't really have any problems right away. Um, you know, we're talking some number of years ago, but I, I don't recall having any major problems. What but sport did you play as an athlete? What were you doing? I was a runner. I was just ran track and then I was a distance runner and I ran marathons and charity runs and all that. Okay. Very cool. I was a fitness trainer also during that time. And it was kind of how I got through college, waiting tables and fitness training, paid my way through college. My undergrad was in psychology. Oh, very and, cool. I love that. Um, okay. Yeah. Then when I went back to school, I had such an interest in health and wellness. I was studying herbal medicine. I did a five-year um, study on plant medicine, so er herbal medicine. And I got my master herbalist certificate and um, fascinated with plants and all of their ability to do things. And it was funny looking back because um, I kind of know where I took a wrong turn. And it wasn't that plant was plant medicine was a bad thing. It's just that I don't believe we're meant to eat plants in mass quantities. Um, no, I love that. We, That's, that should be yeah. on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we do, you know, everything changed with health when agriculture changed, when that became a thing. So, um, but at the time, you know, I was learning and I was, you know, vegan and it wasn't a thing yet. It was, you know, weird, weird from, you know, I'd go to parties and I was the only one vegan. So I couldn't eat half the stuff that was there and you go to a barbecue and you just don't fit in. But nonetheless, that's yeah. what, I, what I did. Barbecue vegetables are not necessarily the, uh, <laughs> the highlight no, of any barbecue. Barbecue tofu burger is not much better. I mean, you know, you suck it up when you're a vegan and you do it because, um, not because you don't crave meat because, you know, that's why there's so many meat analog products. It's just people still want it, but they won't allow themselves to have it. So they go for the, the fake meat or meat analog products. But, uh, yeah, oh. I think how that whole thing was born. We still crave it, but we're not going to eat it because we think it's unhealthy or for whatever reason, you know, you choose to be vegan. True story. You know, what's funny is as you're saying that I'm thinking of a friend of ours and 
<laughs> we we had a, I don't want to say a chili cook-off because there really was no comparison here, but um, we were going over, I think it was for the Super Bowl, and I was like, listen, I'm going to make this chili, and I make an amazing three-meat chili, and I was like, I'm going to bring it over, we're going to eat it. This was before keto, before any of these things. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay, cool, I'm going to make my, you know, my vegan version. And I tasted it because, you know, I'm nice like that. And so I tasted it. And my response to her was, if I had to eat this and not die, I would. <laughs> but, but that was really, and I, I mean, like, and she cooks really good stuff. But I was just like, yeah, this is this is definitely not something that I could I could roll with. So um, yeah. I, un- I understand that one of the questions I was going to ask you as you were kind of going through your story was mm-hmm. why? Why did you look at? you know, trying to reduce your glycemic index when you're in college, because most people don't even know what that is. They don't know what a, yeah. a glycemic index is or mm-hmm. what sugar and what the impact is. So I think you, you kind of touched on it a little bit by saying that you were a personal trainer while you're in school. Mm-hmm. What I mean, so as an athlete, as a trainer, what was it that kind of had you want to look into yourself and look into helping others at that point in time? Because that's still uh, one of those things that, you know, is different. Yeah. It's, it's a unique calling. Good question. Yeah, good question. So, um, so I was super interested in health and as a trainer and all that, um, definitely. But what actually sparked that whole thing was that my dad, um, who has since passed away from all of this, my dad, uh, was diabetic. He was diagnosed diabetic. He was very overweight. My dad was not a healthy guy. He smoked, um, way too much and was obese and, um, but he he had a problem with sugar and that was, Mm. uh, you know, he would talk to his doctors and they would, um, make the recommendations to him about, you know, being on a low fat diet and cutting out the sugar. And he wasn't getting any better. He wasn't able to follow it. He tried the Atkins diet and he did better with that. Um, but anyways, I found, uh, this diet for him online and it was similar to Atkins. So I, I did it with him and, um, he actually didn't stick to it, (laughs) but I did. And I really enjoyed it. And it took a lot of weight off me right away. Um, because I was still eating a lot of, you know, like low fat breads, right? I was in the low fat thing, but I was, I was fat. I was like 140 pounds at my height. I was pushing size 12 pants, which, you know, I I can't even believe I wore that then. I mean, I'm a size zero now. And I just, it's astonishing to me to think I carry that much weight around, huh? Right. And I felt, and I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. According to registered dietitians, I ate, I did eat refined foods. Like I would eat pasta and, um, but I ate everything low fat. And so that wasn't working for me. wasn't working for my dad. He was still obese and still diabetic. So I found this diet. I said, let's give it a try. Um, you know, it wasn't something that he wanted to stick to, just not his thing, but it worked great for me. And so that was kind of the spark of my journey. And from there forward, I always stayed avoiding sugar. I never ate processed foods as a vegan. I actually ate really, really healthy. I ate whole plant foods. Um, you know, some people like to say, well, you don't, you're not doing it right if you're unhealthy as a vegan. Actually, I did it to a T. I did all vegetables, uh, all g- legumes. I did some of the grains, but not that much. I did sweet potatoes and not white potatoes. You know, I think I did everything right as, a, as far as it goes being a vegan. And, um, but what started to happen was I wasn't feeling good. I started to have really low energy. I was exhausted and I couldn't figure out why. Um, 
I started to do the raw food diet because I thought, well, maybe I just need to take it the next step further. Maybe I'm just not getting in enough nutrients. So I was juicing and blending and green smoothies every day. Oh, green smoothies. Um, Gotta love those. Oh, my God. I mean, uh, in the raw food world, this is what you live on, right? It's like blood. You make a whole pitcher full of mangoes, bananas, and spinach and kale, and you drink that stuff. And I did that. But, you know, I did that for a long time. And even when I wasn't completely raw, and I, I still did that through many of my vegan years, blending stuff. I mean, I ate what I thought was impeccably. And... I was experiencing extreme fatigue, um, headaches, hair loss. I was cold all the time. And I started then having some digestive problems. In fact, I ended up in the hospital with pancreatitis, which you can die from. Right. And they were like, well, you're, you're drinking. And I didn't drink at the time. Nothing. Not at all. So, and wait, your green smoothies. Oh, well, yeah. you want to count that. <laughs> I mean, I'm in serious trouble. Um, yeah. Uh, take away the green smoothies, though, and no alcohol at all. So, yeah, I was, uh, it was the weirdest thing. They couldn't figure out. I wasn't overweight, and they couldn't find gallstones. Um, so what turned out to be later was that there was gallstones, but they were real fine. So they call it like a, a gravel or some sort of, you know, issues with the gallbladder. But usually they would expect to find it on uh, overweight females that eat the standard diet. But I wasn't eating that. I was eating extremely, quote, healthy vegan diet, whole foods, whole plant foods and so almost this, nothing else. At this time, do you. So did they remove your gallbladder? Yes. Oh, uh, OK. Because I kept having this problem. And so I had returned to the hospital with pancreatitis. And so finally, um, you know, everyone was worried, like, what are we going to do about this? Pancreatitis is very serious. So I, uh, so I, I had the gallbladder out, things improved a little bit, but I still had, I didn't have that problem anymore, but I had a ton of other digestive problems. I was just constantly sick. I would have what I thought was the flu repeatedly over and over and over. Finally, I had my blood work done and I had no vitamin D in my body at all, um, which probably explains the immune dysfunction. My stomach hurt always, just always hurt. And I couldn't figure out why it was constipated always. I just could never feel good in my stomach. And even, then, with, um, even with all that fiber, huh? Yes. Isn't that crazy? And I would just go, well, I guess I need more. And I would do more and more. And I just felt worse and worse. Okay. So before we go on, I, I absolutely love this story. And I hope that someone is listening right now thinking, oh my goodness, like this is me. Uh, I just want to yeah. clear up and provide clarity on the timeline. So mm-hmm. I know you said you did raw vegan for a year, but that was after yeah. being vegan for 14 years, pretty much. Let's see. Um, so I started vegan when I was about uh, like 19 or 20. Okay. I'd say, I'd say I did started the low glycemic diet. And then almost a year later, I bumped right into vegetarian and then quickly vegan. So I'd say that was, I was around 19 and give or take. Okay. And, um, and so then I was vegan, not raw, but vegan, I would say, yeah, like eight, nine years, 10 years, maybe. Okay. So 29 ish. Yep. Yep. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And then, um, and then the vegan, the raw vegan, um, 
it was like, <laughs> took so much time and attention, right? All this food prepping and shopping <laughs> yeah. and raw rice. I mean, it was insane. And uh, very expensive too, I might add. And I had the dehydrator and the blenders and every gadget that a raw foodist used. I'd sprout my own things so I could get wow. as much nutrition as possible. I mean, if that was possible, I did it. And I grew my own food. I had oh, a man. garden out back and I grew beet greens and I would juice them and I did it all. You sound like you have, like that's insane. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, um, meanwhile, by the way, I was going back to school and I had such a fantastic interest and I studied the herbal medicine, which I mentioned and used that to help heal my body from all the things that were starting to go wrong. And, um, and then, uh, I read around then as when I was back in grad school and I studied, uh, health promotion, which that school is now public health. And I got my master's degree in health promotion, um, 2003. Um, so during this time, you know, like plant-based diets is coming around and very much embraced and I'm at the, you know, I'm eating like the epitome of health, right? I should be, at least that's the way that I was behaving. I was a runner. I ran every single day, five to 10 miles. I ate a plant-based and vegan diet and, you know, what more can you want? So, um, but then I had, so all of the same digestive problems, immune dysfunction, hair falling out, feeling miserable. I was getting very depressed. I had a lot of anxiety about health um, because I was getting sick all the time. So I had this constant brewing fear of like, oh my God, I'm going to get sick. And oh my God, it was like a fixation and a, a real anxiety about health. Um, and then, um, a couple years later I had, um, so my dad passed away from a heart attack and, um, which is a whole nother can of worms, but I'm I was so like, sorry to hear that. Just yeah, throwing it was, that a really, it was a, you know what? I think, um, he was ready to be, uh, in another place because he was so miserable with his health and no matter what he did, the doctors would tell him what to do and give him every kind of medication for statins and for blood pressure and all this crap. And, um, do you know what worked best for him in all those years that I observed him go through all this was the Atkins diet. He actually lost weight. He enjoyed the food and he did pretty good, but he was a big smoker. I know. Right. What a shocker. And at the time I thought, Oh my God, you know, I was a vegan watching him do this. Mm. But, um, so, so at that time it there was a lot of stress, right? And so that could have been um, related to this, but I think it's related mostly to the vegan diet where I just came to that tipping point. And um, I, one day I, after lots, and I was thin, by the way, I was thin. I was like bikini modeling and all this stuff, and I was thin. But on the inside, I was hurting all the time. And um, one day I went to the bathroom and there's blood in the stool. Man. And that continued for almost seven years, seven freaking years. And I was diagnosed with, you felt horrible and you Mm -hmm. just continued to go like, yeah. Cause I couldn't figure it out. And, um, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and my doctors told me there's no cure. And I said, well, what can I do as far as diet? Nothing. It doesn't matter what you eat. Just don't eat apples. That's what I was told. 
Oh, well, um, you know. Take this medicine and it'll keep things kind of in check, but you'll never cure this. That's exactly what I was told. And I was heartbroken because as you can imagine, I spent all these years studying health, health promotion. I've got a master's degree in health. I should know what I'm doing, right? I was yeah. a vegan for all those years. I ate kale smoothies every day. What are you talking about? Ulcerative so colitis makes no sense. So at this point, you're 34-ish, 35-ish? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 35 years old, you're basically given this horrible diagnosis that's going to live with you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, and this is coming to someone that has literally been tuned and in tune with their body, even though it's Mm -hmm. felt miserable for almost 20 years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was just at a loss, you know, I started taking mass doses of probiotics, which would help a little. Um, I took all kinds of different supplements, which would help a little. And, um, I eventually started to, I went back to vegan for a little bit, felt worse. Cause I started eating a little bit more. Um, I started adding eggs and fish and I felt a little bit better. The hair loss slowed down. And, um, then I thought it still didn't fix it. So I went back to vegan for a little bit, got even worse. And <sighs> So I was toggling there trying to figure out, I don't understand what's causing this. And I would eliminate this food and then that food and then cheese and then, you know, egg. And then just could never figure it out. What is it that could be triggering it? Is it the almond milk? Is it, you know, is it a quest bar? Is it, what is it? Yeah. Right. Um, so by this point I was starting to integrate, um, I started coming back, right? So I wasn't vegan anymore. I was becoming more plant-based. So I started to eat fish, eggs, and some chicken. Um, but still most of my diet and most of what I ate every single day was vegetables. So green leafy vegetables, kale salads, cruciferous vegetables that made up the bulk of what I ate. So really healthy, um, but a ton of fiber and, you know, a lot of vegetables, a lot of it raw. Um, and it got a little better, but still was there. And let's, so let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I, I just want to pause here for one second <laughs> because what you just said is something that I, I still battle with, with people's ability to understand and recognize this, right? So leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables, mm-hmm. the thing that even, even for those that haven't made the shift to carnivore and yeah. are, maybe they're eating ketogenically, or maybe they're listening to this right now and they're, they're vegan or vegetarian, whatever, but they're mm-hmm. like, Hey, I'm going to eat all the kale and char and spinach I want because it's cruciferous right. and it's leafy and it's green and it's absolutely <laughs> awesome. And at the end of the day, it's, it's not, and they're eating tons and tons and tons of it. And then wondering why oh. their problems continue to get worse. Mm. And so you know, when you were, when you were doing that, I just, if you could, if you could take your time, flash back to that moment when you're eating all of these things and recognizing how bad you're feeling, what's going through your mind? Yeah, I, um, I think when you're in it, you, and you're such a big believer of plant foods and you have been for a long time it's almost impossible to make the connection that that food, that plant food, that cruciferous vegetable, that kale salad could possibly be bad for you. There is just an inability to make that connection. And so you think it must be something else. You just can't make that connection. It's really, really hard when you're a diehard vegan or vegetarian and you've been that way. It's, it's, this is the shift. This is why this is rare because it's, I talk to, I have people message me that are vegan that they want out, but there's so much pressure on them that they're afraid, even though they feel like crap. 
So to answer your question, I never made the connection at that time. I just couldn't. I couldn't understand that there's no way that these plant foods could possibly be hurting me. Man, I love that. And so really, I mean, and the other thing that I just, you know, I say this and you, you'll you see it. I promote it. It's, it's important. Like the whole keto matrix is about the mental shift that's necessary in order to change your life. Like I, yeah. I don't, whether it's for keto, whether it's for carnivore, whether it's whether it's I'm just going to change the way you're eating and you're not going to eat donuts anymore because you're addicted to donuts, whatever it is, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the change and shift cannot be made until you mentally make yourself aware of the fact that a shift is needed. And I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, how, how could you possibly think that the kale is doing you any harm if you've loved kale for so long because of all the things you've been told, like it's, it's your security blanket at this point. Right. Like, right. Yeah, man, I just, I feel so bad that you even had to experience all that. Yeah, I know. And that's why I talk about this because, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, I'm eating plant-based and I feel great and it's better than I've ever been. Um, but I think it's a ticking time bomb. You know, they may feel great now, but it doesn't mean they always will. And I think that, it's just something that people have to experience for themselves. You know, I had to be miserable. I had to hit rock bottom and do all of this and, you know, get the shocking, um, you know, diagnosis and then go through all of this trial and error to finally figure it out. But, you know, the next step for me was, um, you know, I, I was just trying to not have blood in my stool. I mean, that was like, how do I fix that? It was, I had things to, to, that would improve slightly. So I took the step, the next step, um, was to go to, I did uh, paleo for a minute and then went to the keto diet. And I think keto did help me because it did reduce, um, it reduced the amount of fiber I was taking in. Right. So I was eating, um, still quite a bit of plant foods. Um, but what, what was a problem for me there was I was still eating a lot of nuts and seeds, um, and, um, you know, coconut oil and, and this and that. So while I did feel better and it did improve things, it wasn't a hundred percent. And, um, you know, throughout this time, you know, I had constant, it was a slow transition from, you know, plant-based from vegan to plant-based back to low glycemic, starting to eat now, you know, more paleo and moving to keto. And I did the best on keto at that point. Um, but it still wasn't gone. And I was like, you know, how, why is this still not fixed? And, um, so I think it was that, you know, and I was, I never got super lean on it. I was fairly thin. I worked out like crazy. I was, you know, I teach bar and yoga. And so I was doing a lot physically. Um, I did feel okay on it. I just never got real lean and I still had some symptoms better than I was in the past, but I still had some. Okay. And, um, so this is kind of where I started to transition into, uh, and at that point in keto, I was not eating much meat. I was, I was, was going to say, yeah. So are you, yeah, eating, you vegan? Was, like how were you, how did you approach the whole keto I would call space? It like a plant-based keto. So I ate okay. a lot of coconut oil. I ate avocados every day. I had a big garden in my backyard. Every day I would make a huge salad from okay. my garden and I'd put an avocado in there. Um, I might eat some sardines with it, something like that. Um, and I did have eggs, but I really didn't eat much more, you know, occasionally chicken, but it was mostly eggs, avocados, coconut oil, lots of 
greens and salads and vegetables and cabbage and the typical. Um, and, um, so, you know, I was still struggling. I was best that I have been since plant-based, but still had some issues. Um, and then one day I heard Amber O'Hearn talking about her experience and how she basically cured some very serious mental disorders and mental health issues with this diet. And I thought, Oh my God, um, how crazy is that? And, you know, I had struggled with, um, depression and anxiety myself, and I just attributed it to the life experiences that I'd had, you know, from, um, I talk about this very openly in my social media, um, with my, the death of my dad. And then I went through a divorce and I moved, I had major job changes. It was extremely stressful. So I attributed it to that. And, um, I didn't even know the rest of this about your background. So I've been divorced. (laughs) Um, I haven't lost my parents or still alive, but I've had some other traumatic events in my life. And so it's just, it's crazy to see how they both mirror in so many different ways as far as that stuff, but continue. That's awesome. And Amber was just on by the way. Yeah. Amber, she was, she, I loved her story. And, and then I heard, um, I started to do a little bit more investigating in it and, um, I read everything that I could on it. Um, I came across Sean Baker and listened to his videos and, um, you know, it just became kind of like on my mind that I, um, needed to try it. Okay. And, um, sorry about that. No, um, no, you're, you're totally fine. It's okay. Okay. So, um, I just, uh, decided that I needed to give it a try. And, uh, so I started to dabble in it and I was still eating some plant foods, but I was eating more meat and, you know, I didn't really get it right. (laughs) I was (laughs) kind of like hovering between keto and carnivore for a couple months. Um, and, um, but I did notice, and when I started to eat meat, which I hadn't eaten for a very long time, I was like, wow, actually this sits pretty good with me. And I felt good. And then I started to go, okay, let me take this more serious. And I took out the fibrous foods. I took out all the fiber from my diet, you know, no more broccoli, no more cabbage, no more salads from the garden. And, um, I just went for it and I started to see it change and it wasn't overnight. You know, a lot of people say these, get these miraculous results overnight. It wasn't for me. It took a few months to really see, but I got better and better and better. And all of a sudden my body started changing and I was getting leaner and I was getting stronger. I was feeling better. I was feeling happier, had more energy. Um, I was also experiencing a lot of hair loss before that. And even on keto, I was experiencing hair loss. Um, and, um, so the hair loss like suddenly stopped. And all of a sudden my hair got really thick and even my hairdresser was like, what are you doing? (laughs) Your hair is like all this thick hair underneath. You're like, it's coconut oil. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was just really interesting, like to watch, you know, to see the transformation. And so, um, so I started to, uh, just experience all these things. And then the colitis symptoms started to go away and I just realized Oh my God, I, I feel better than I have ever in my life. And for the first time ever, I'm not restricting myself. I was eating 
almost two pounds of meat a day and I'm not a real big person. Uh, it would shock even me like what I could consume. <laughs> and at the same time, like every day looking at the mirror, I'd take a little picture and I just was like, wow, I can't even believe this is so crazy. And I was getting leaner and my stomach was feeling better and no bloated. Um, just everything that I had been struggling with started to dissipate and, um, it just kept getting better and better and better. And then the, the, uh, the last final thing for me was this was, um, I had 99% fix the colitis and it was like the last hovering issue. And, um, so the only thing I hadn't let go of was coffee, oh, coffee. Um, coffee. I know. And everyone, it's such like a pain point for people. It is. And yeah, because we love our coffee, right? I totally, I get it. And, um, there's something about, you know, making that coffee in the morning and the smell of it, it brewing and holding your mug of coffee and sitting with your loved one. And the, you know, I get it. Yeah. Some would say it's the best part of waking up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I would agree. Um, but not when it makes you have stomach problems like me. So I took it away. And I finally, you know, I had to convince myself, but after a couple of weeks, my stomach got better and it was finally a hundred percent after all this trial and error for years, I finally had no symptoms. I finally was, had a strong immune system. My mindset was good. I felt healthy and happy all the time. My insomnia, which plagued me for a long time was gone sleeping like a baby. Um, no digestive issues, no bleeding, nothing. And finally, really embracing the carnivore diet, um, everything had cleared up. And, you know, that was just kind of like the final thing for me that I have to be honest about my past experience and how I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I was an expert in this. I used to teach classes in plant medicine and how to, you know, navigate a vegetarian diet. I can't even believe that I did that at this point. Right. Um, but that was my experience and uh, gave me a lot to learn from a lot of really harsh experience, but I learned a lot from it. And so, um, what I do now is teach people about that, you know, as I've been a health coach for many years, but I wasn't coaching on this. I was coaching on, you know, the bigger picture and weight loss. And while weight loss can happen for a number of reasons, this is a great way to do it. You know, I'm, I can, I incorporate fasting and versions of the carnivore diet for my people. Um, but for myself, my, my experience was a true testimony that the plants that I was eating and I always thought were good for me were actually killing me quite literally killing me and tearing me up from the inside out. And as soon as I took those all away, my body finally started to heal and I, and I gave it what it needed, which was lots of meat. And, um, now I'm in 44 years old and I'm physically, mentally, holistically better than I've ever been in my life. Yes. That's awesome. That's congratulations. That's fantastic. What, so a few things. I feel like we need to go back to the coffee thing just because so many people are going to they're gonna stop listening right then. Right they're just they're like, I'm done. Um, you know, and I, I I'm guilty. I love coffee. I limit it to one cup per day, but I do love yeah. coffee. Um so what do you what do you drink? Like bone broth? What what's your morning routine now? My morning routine, yeah, is uh yerba mate. Ah. So I now use that also when I'm fasting. It's kind of nice because um, yerba mate is great when you're fasting. It doesn't have as much caffeine, although it's a great 
um, stimulant for the brain. It helps you concentrate and think. I actually drank it when I was in grad school to help me study. Um, and then I kind of abandoned it over the years, but I came back to it and I save coffee for a special occasion, but my go-to is, uh, yerba mate and yeah, I love it. Now it's my thing. Okay. I might have to give that a shot and just try it. Um, I mean, that's, I'm always up for trying something and I, I'm, I'm with you when you're teaching classes and kind of instructing people on how to navigate being a vegetarian or a vegan. And then <laughs> yeah. you realize, oh, maybe this wasn't the best thing. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, even with starting with keto, I feel like if, if you're not in a space where you're constantly willing to learn and grow and do some trial and error on yourself and then see how things are impacting your yeah. clients, then you're really not in that space. I remember telling everyone to go use erythritol um, until I really learned about the issues it would have on gut biome and changing those things and um, and then actually experiencing those issues. And I won't use erythritol anymore. But like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one of those things where it takes it takes the, the time to learn it and develop it and then be okay with being able to go back and say, Hey, you know, I, I used to say this, I used to go with this. And since then I've, you know, gained some new insight and I'm willing to share those things. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's been really good. I think that, um, you know, I don't want to say that I don't think there's really any experts in this space. You know, we're just still learning about, about, um, the like fasting and the carnivore and there's really no experts in this field. There's people that have been doing it and learning it, but we don't have a lot of clinical studies on this stuff. We have empirical evidence, which is what we can look back at over hundreds of years, what were, what was done before. Um, but all of us are learning all of us. And I think you have to be open to that. Yeah. I wish I could insert like applause there. Like, yes, that's, that's, (laughs) I mean, so and, and I know you can talk to this, but if you look at, because I have a lot of people that will come to me and say, you know, what are the clinical studies that I should be reading in regards to going carnivore or keto or anything else? And, you know, they, they'll present me with X, Y, Z clinical study for why they should eat vegetables and why being a vegan is the most right. healthy way to eat. And I'm like, listen, you do realize that the clinical study that you're reading was paid for and sponsored by XYZ company that is mm-hmm. going to directly be impacted financially with you making that transition and most of right. it is going to come from you being in an unhealthy space where they have a, a, a vitamin or a drug that is going to address the unhealthy situation that they're putting you in. So, yeah, that's very true. Very right. True. And, and it's unfortunate, but that's the thing where I'm just like, you have to be able to grow outside of what's being shoveled down our throat, because mm-hmm. unfortunately that is, um, mm-hmm. and, and really look at what, what things make sense. So I guess my question to you is, you heard Amber's story and... You know, she was obviously talking through the amazing things that had changed in her life. But what was it for you as you were dabbling and as you were adjusting that made you say, you know what? Yes, I'm rock bottom. Yes, I'll try something. I'm willing to give this a shot. What was it for you that was really the defining moment where mm-hmm. you're just like, I can't I can't do this anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it was, you know, it's a personal experience. It really wasn't anything that I read or heard from somebody else or researched on. It was, and I think this is why personal experience is the best way to go for people because, you know, you just got to try things for yourself and you'll know whether or not it's going to work for you. But I remember um, <laughs> I had, uh, you know, eaten a whatever it was, big bowl of broccoli or whatever, when I was still going back and forth and I was like, God, my stomach hurts. And then, um, so I decided the next day I was going to try eating nothing but meat and I ate a lot 
I ate a lot of meat. In fact, that night before I went to bed, I'd eaten that day like eggs and bacon and maybe a couple of hamburgers or something like that. And then before I went to bed, I had a big steak. And the next morning I woke up, my tummy was like flatter than I'd ever seen it. I was showing six pack abs and I got up and I felt awesome. And I was like, you got to be joking me. This is the result of eating that way. And it just, you know, just that simple thing of waking up and feeling that way was versus feeling so bloated and in pain from all the vegetables. Um, I couldn't ignore that. It, it definitely meant something to me. And um, so it was time for me to just dive in. So that was kind of where I made the transition. I was like, I'm done with vegetables. I'm done with plants. And, and since then, it's just every day that I do it, I'm proven. And, and anytime um, I don't slip up anymore and eat vegetables because I just know that fiber for someone who has an inflammatory bowel disease is extremely destructive. And I know that now after, you know, going through carnivore diet and experiencing no pain in my stomach, um, and then it's real simple. You eat that food, it hurts. So it's not hard to make the connection anymore, but you can't see that uh, when you're in it. When you're in it and you're a plant-based person and you're eating all this stuff, you cannot make the connection that this stuff is hurting me because in your mind, you're so brainwashed to believe that this is what you must eat to be healthy. So you have to step out of the forest a minute and experience it for yourself. I love that. Okay. So here's my question. Now you make the transition, you feel better. And you've, you've mentioned now a couple of times about fiber, which I think is a huge point. Can you kind of unpack that a little bit? Mm-hmm. What are your yeah. thought processes on fiber and how it just totally wrecks the gut and yeah. our ability to digest things? So we just don't have the gut system to process fiber like animals do. I mean, a lot of people will ask me, well, what about fiber? What about nutrients? I love that question because um, if you think about it, you know, we have our digestive systems just aren't meant to take in that kind of foliage. We just don't have the ability to break it down. And that's why there's so much, um, you know, when you eat a lot of fiber, it bulks you up. But it's not that there is no requirement to have that. It's just the fact of you're eating things that don't break down. Um, And I think what we've learned is that Um, you know, you have a lot less discomfort. I put it this way. If you have an inflammatory bowel disease and you're eating fiber, it's like sending a Brillo pad to your intestines, which are already inflamed and sometimes ulcerated and it's a bad situation, right? So you're not going to, you don't want to do that. Um, And the clear um, difference when you're fasting and you let nothing go through your system, your guts will heal quickly. Your intestines will heal up real fast, but because they're not being abraded with all this fiber. So I think it just comes down to animals are designed with guts and digestive systems that can break all that stuff down. They're called ruminant animals. And so they can eat that stuff. They can break down all the fiber and absorb all the nutrients that comes from those plants. We don't absorb the same way, like heme iron versus non-heme iron, not the same. We don't get the same out of it. And, and that's true for lots of vitamins and minerals out of plants. So um, better yet is to bypass the fiber, which we don't need, doesn't require anything. Fiber just gives stools bulk. Yeah, Without it, volume. you still break it all down. Yeah, that's all it is. I talked to a person that had a ileostomy bag because they had colon cancer and had it removed. 
Um, and I've talked to another person who had ulcerative colitis and um, to the point where they had their stuff removed. And so they now have a bag. And when they eat meat, these people are both carnivore. They have nothing left in there. It's just liquid. Not very much because the body absorbs it all. So without that fiber, there's not really much there. So then we ask, well, why do we need it? We don't. That's, that's, so we're forcing ourselves to eat all these things that we just aren't meant to eat, you know, and that comes right around to we didn't have so many problems before agriculture. Agriculture uh, creates all this, you know, acres and acres and acres of plant foods for people to eat that would never have naturally grown that way anyway. Like when's the last time you walked, went hiking and found a stalk of broccoli? Or 20 stocks for the type of, you know, plates that people eat now. It just doesn't happen that way. It's not natural. No, it's <laughs> not. Not natural. And with the advent of agriculture, we came with, you know, do you want to talk about helping the environment? Plants aren't the way to do it. Agriculture has ruined our environment, it ruins all the topsoil. It depletes the soil of nutrients. And then they want to go adding it all in with chemical fertilizers. So it's toxic soup out there now. And um, so... You know, now we're eating plants that have fiber that are tearing up our digestive systems. Then you add in the chemicals that are added to these crops um, to make them grow because they're not natural to grow like that. Um, and they're toxic and that damages our gut. And now we've got some lovely genetically engineered foods and the, that chemical glyphosate destroys the gut. So no wonder we have epidemic levels of autoimmune because that all comes from damaged guts, leaky gut. And so I think that the advent of agriculture was pretty much the demise of our of our health historically. And and the only way to get back away from that is to get away from all the plant foods. I love it. What do you say to that person that is, you know, maybe they're as ambitious as you were and they have a garden in their backyard and they say they don't spray any kind of chemicals on it. And, you know, there's there's no issues with these things because they are cruciferous and they're great and I have control Mm -hmm. over them. Well, that's definitely a step up. And if you don't have any problems with your stomach and you can eat these vegetables and it doesn't hurt you, then maybe you're okay with it. Um, I think there's plenty of people that say they do good on vegetables. And again, my, my personal feeling is it's a ticking time bomb, Um, but small amounts, you know, if you can eat small amounts, I don't think we should be eating mass quantities of vegetables and fiber. I think it's destructive on the gut. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're convinced that you need to eat all that stuff then growing them yourself, like I did, I think that's the best way to go, you know, avoiding all those chemicals. That's absolutely, if you're going to eat them, um, go that route. That was so kind of you. Um, My stance is just like yours. It's eventually, no matter what, no matter how long you delay it, you will have an appointment with the destination, which is not (laughs) not feeling good. Uh, I kind of relate it to someone jumping off a building. Well, depending on the height of the building, you know, for a period of time, there's nothing wrong. You know, you're just falling. Right. It's it's when you hit the ground where, you know, that impact really hits you. So mm-hmm. maybe you could be a yeah. vegetarian or vegan for a year or two years or five years or 30 years and not have any issues. Eventually you will have an issue. So yeah. um, it's not it's not necessarily a if, but more of a when it happens and yep. occurs. So um, I'm yeah. <laughs> totally with you on that one. Um, mm-hmm. OK, so now you are pretty much strictly carnivore like you don't and obviously you're not going back to eating and stuffing your face full of vegetables what does your average day look like as far as food 
Average day, um, I so I practice fasting, intermittent fasting and extended fasting as kind of part of my day-to-day. And so I usually just don't eat until my first meal is somewhere between like 11 and 2. And it's usually a ribeye or a New York strip steak. Today I had a 1.2 ounce ribeye and it was delicious. I ate the whole thing. Wait, 1.2 pounds you mean, right? 1.2 1.2 pounds. Yeah. Okay. Pounds. You said 1.2 ounces. I almost cried. I oh, that's that's like the worst that tease like of the world. Mini snack. Yeah. Right. 1.2 <laughs> pound um, delicious ribeye. And that would be pretty common for me to have um, as my, I guess you'd call it breakfast. Many days I only eat one meal a day, but um, probably more often would be two. And so my <laughs> second meal is probably either going to be um, if it's, you know, later in the evening, which I usually don't eat past maybe six or so, but if I'm having that second meal, it's probably a New York strip steak, some eggs or hamburger. Um, sometimes I'll do eggs and bacon. I like bacon. I eat it on occasion, but majority of my diet is going to be beef. Um, maybe some lamb or bison. Oh, I love it. That sounds good. That sounds great yeah. actually. Yeah, I love it. I actually feel fantastic after I eat that. Like today's lunch was so good. It was my first meal of the day, and um, it wasn't until I guess one or so, one thirty, and it was awesome. And I feel great. Um, eggs on occasion, but predominantly beef, and I usually eat one and a half to two pounds of meat per day. Okay, cool. So other than like tracking how much your food is weighing in when you're, you're going to cook it, do you do a whole lot of tracking right now to make sure macros are specific at any point? I don't. I, you know, I did that for a while and it was kind of exhausting. <laughs> I don't have the patience for that. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think it's necessary unless you're having struggles. You know, it, like if you're not reaching a goal, then maybe you need to dig a little deeper and figure it out, you know, what's going on. Um, me, I, I'm able to maintain my weight and my health um, by just following this, I eat when I'm hungry. So some days I eat earlier than one o'clock just depends on what's going on. Um, what I did the day before, you know, if I work out a lot in the morning or go to yoga or something like that, usually I don't have as much appetite. So it just depends, but I typically just, I eat when I'm hungry and I eat till I'm completely full. I'm satisfied, not uncomfortable, but like I'm good. And then I don't eat again until I feel that way or I'm fasting and I just push it to the next day. Awesome. Okay. So you said intermittent fasting, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Did you start intermittent fasting before carnivore or is that something you've adopted after? Okay. Yeah. I've been doing it for a couple of years. Um, just, you know, mostly like 16, eight, sometimes I'll do 18 hours, 18, six is probably more common. Um, I'll do a 24 hour fast a couple times a week. And then usually every three or four weeks I'll do an extended, um, two or three day fast. Okay, cool. So what's the, has your longest fast been 72 hours? Uh-huh. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm a huge, huge advocate of fasting. I think that more people should do it. Um, I've yeah. done a, a week is the longest I've gone and I don't, I don't think I'd ever do longer than that. Um, unless I absolutely yeah. had something I wanted to clear up, but, um, that was more so yeah. of a, I had, I had a friend that did seven days and they eat like garbage. And I was like, if they could do seven days, I'll do seven days. So I did. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think it's super necessary from, um, from everything that I've read and uh, my understanding is that, you know, if you're fasting for weight loss, then maybe that's different. If you got a lot of weight to lose, you can, you can repeatedly fast. You got plenty of energy stored on your body, but if you're doing it for healing purposes, like I never fast for weight loss for me, I don't even weigh myself. It's strictly for healing purposes. 
Um, and I think that you max out, uh, we don't know, but you know, cause they're still understudied, but around three days is like kind of your peak of, you know, autophagy and healing your digestive system. And I think, um, seven days is, is good. If you can go that far, you know, the leaner you are, the more difficult it becomes definitely fast. True. Yeah. Um, so for me, like three days, I'm good. And, and the other thing that about that is, you know, you're, you're only really hungry in that first day and your appetite, your appetite hormones actually shut down after about three days. So you won't even really be that hungry after that. It's more mind, mind games than anything. But, um, yeah, I think fasting is probably the, the God's greatest gift. I just think it can heal and cure just about any, any problem that you have, but it's not easy to do. Um, it, and it's actually really hard to do if you're coming from a plant-based diet. So I always recommend that people shift over to, you know, at the very least a low carb diet, keto would even be better. And then when you eat carnivore, fasting comes very natural. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Very cool. How did you, so when you were making the transition and you had started fasting first, what was it that, you know, kind of caused you to want to start with the intermittent fasting? And I intermittent fast daily. I think it's one of those, mm -hmm. those things that's just a staple. Um, I kind of started it by accident because I used to teach every morning hot yoga and, and hot bar. And um, you can't go in there and teach with a belly full of food. You know, it's just making you feel sick. <laughs> so <laughs> I did it kind of just for that reason. And then um, and then when I studied it more, I was like, yeah, I should extend this a little bit. So <clears throat> instead of coming home and eating after class, I would actually wait a little while. And then I found I was able to get really lean doing that. Um it, I wasn't eating carnivore yet and it was so I wasn't doing the extended fast and I think that the healing portion you're going to get more benefit of with a little bit longer um, so the intermittent I think is in my opinion and my experience is best for just you know easy maintaining your body weight but losing body fat and um, you know if you have a habit of eating breakfast foods that's a good way to kick that but yeah, I, I think it's just was more about keeping the body lean um, at okay. that point yeah, for intermittent. And then they still a little bit longer, like 24 hours and beyond, I think, are would be what I would target for more healing. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I totally agreed. I think that's absolutely uh, spot on. So I couldn't have said it better myself. So yeah. what are... What are your recommendations now? You had kind of mentioned if someone was going to make this transition, maybe they start mm -hmm. low carb and then maybe keto even better and then carnivore. Yeah. If there's someone that's listening, that's like, you know, I want to I want to make the transition to carnivore. Maybe they're eating, you know, a standard American diet right now. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Do you, well, um, <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, stop that right yeah. away. Let me take let me get a hold of you. Yeah, I think, um, you know, all of us that are spreading that message to get away from that, whether it's you know, low carb or in general, or it's keto or carnivore. I think they're all tremendously better than the standard American diet. You know, I, um, sadly the government is still pushing carbs and greens and, um, you know, I don't see people doing very well with that. And as you know, diabetes is an outrageous epidemic. And in my work, I work in uh, workforce health and I work with a major healthcare company. Um, we do research on, on these large groups and I work with large numbers of people and we just see over and over and over, it's like a broken record, epidemic levels of diabetes. And that's with people following the recommendations of their doctors, you know, and this, the advice of low fat diets, um, it's not working. So 
I think that if I, if I had the opportunity to take people that were just eating, you know, the standard diet, however, I, I do feel really strongly about carnivore diet, but I don't think it's necessarily needed by everybody because it is very restrictive. I don't, I don't mind eating meat every day. I love it. But <laughs> some people will feel, I, I do have a couple clients that are just like, they want their vegetables. They want their avocado. They love it. Okay. I think that's a huge step up for most people and they can see tremendous health benefits in just doing that. So if they're eating, you know, no carbs, but they're eating a little bit of vegetables and they, and I do think they need to include beef and ruminant animal meats, um, and saturated fats. But that's what I would say is, you know, going that route, I don't think you're going to be very healthy, um, eating plant-based for very long and you're just lacking in too many things, not enough protein, not enough fat, you know, you need all that stuff. So, um, to answer your question, if I had to make one recommendation for people on the standard American diet, I would just say, start eating meat, just add the meat in because it'll give you the nutrients that you need and the saturated fat and the protein. Um, and naturally some of those cravings for starchy foods will go away. You know, sugar is the devil, not fat. Agreed. Agreed. Um, some of the other things that you had mentioned, and I, I'm thinking about my mother-in-law at this very moment. Um, what what would you say has been, you know, some of the side benefits of going carnivore? Are you still cold all the time? You know, no. your mental clarity and everything. How, how about those things? Your balance, mood, oh. those kind of things? I feel amazing. I have a great mood. I'm always in a good mood. <laughs> I feel like I just, my, there is something that comes with carnivore diet that we aren't totally able to explain, but you'll hear people talk about this carnivore Zen. You're just always in a good mood and mellow. I, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but, um, yes, great, fantastic mood, stable energy levels. Hormones are, um, really affected by, whether you eat meat or you don't eat meat. And when you're eating carnivore, you're eating a lot of meat and fat like that, your hormones are balanced. So whether you're a man, if you're having low testosterone, carnivore will fix that. For women, if you're having low testosterone, carnivore will fix that. It will balance things. Um, I think that's one of the greatest benefits, especially at my age. I've seen men and women benefit tremendously, uh, from carnivore diet for their hormones, but, you know, also getting lean, like people tell me when they see me in person that I, I look like I'm in my twenties, I'm 44. And I, as I mentioned, when we started the show, I was overweight in my twenties, um, early twenties, I was, you know, pushing to size 12 right now. I'm super lean and I'm size zero, but I don't work out that hard. And I used to be a marathon runner. And right. I was never that lean, you know, so I think that you just carnivore helps you to maintain muscle mass while shedding all that extra body fat because your body just uses it for fuel. Um, so that and then I'd say the biggest thing for me, because this was my quest for many, many years, is the um, is the gut health. So if you have any kind of gut issue you're dealing with carnivore is a way to go. You're just, you, it's going to help you to heal your gut. And even if you did it temporarily, although most people that do it temporarily stay, um, because they just feel really, really good on it. Um, so I would say that in is in and of itself is probably the number one benefit that I've experienced. And most of the people that I've worked with as well as, is the improvement in gut health. And awesome. So what I know that you, you've said this and mentioned it a couple of times. Um, is there a way people can work with you directly? And if so, where can they find you? 
Yep. So I have digital coaching programs that are very affordable. The Carnivore Experience will be released January 1st. Um, so it's digital. So you won't be talking to me. You're just receiving my trainings um, week to week. It's a six week deal. And I basically run you through exactly what I've done, what everything that I've explained today. Um, and then I also have one on one coaching, which is I do with people all over the world. I have people in other countries and um, Sweden, and Australia and all over the place. And we Skype and we email and whatever it takes to communicate. So that's the one on one coaching. And all of this is on my website at healthywithnicole.com. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, cool. And so the carnivore six week, is that just a nutrition aspect or is there workouts and stuff like that involved? I don't do any of the workouts just because I feel like there's plenty of great resources out there for that. And, um, you know, everyone's got to find their own thing. So I don't include the, the workouts with it. It's just the diet protocol. Um, that's in the, um, carnivore and I do give some troubleshooting. So <clears throat> there's a few things that people might experience, you know, like, um, dehydration or headaches or anything like that. And so we cover all of that. Awesome. So healthy with Nicole.com. We'll have all of that information in the carnivore. The carnivore experience comes out. You said January. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. January 1st. I'm having a little, <clears throat> cough come up on me um january 1st is when the uh carnivore experience will be released okay so i'll talk more about that on my website it's awesome i will make sure that we have that linked in the show notes and nicole thank you so much it's been absolutely an honor i think the wealth of information for everyone to take away is um eat meat eat more of it and <laughs> less leafy greens and cruciferous vegetables um, yes, I, I think that's absolutely awesome. And thank you so much for taking the time out again and sharing your story. And um, I mean, I think that's just been it's been awesome. And I really think more and more people need to share, you know, their, their journey and be transparent and vulnerable with where they've come from. And I really, truly hope and know that there's a vegan listening that is going <laughs> to make the shift because they're finally tired of feeling the way that they feel. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, indeed. Let's hope. Um, thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. If you need absolutely anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. And um, I appreciate you taking the time out. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. The Keto Matrix Podcast, where myths are busted, science is explained, and the keto lifestyle is discussed by industry experts and everyday people alike. For more information and support, go to theketomatrix.com.